Tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. This to mock over the defending champions. It's just gone one o'clock here on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Uh, my good friend Justin Marshall joins us. Uh, Bull of Anarka, Justin. <laughs> Very funny, Ricardo. I was wondering how long it would take before the chips to start um, coming in. Uh, yeah, look, what a, a fascinating another round so far of Super Rugby Pacific. But, uh, you know, you'd have to say the upset of the last probably couple of years of the competition uh, with the Drua knocking over the Crusade as well. What a game that was. Yeah, magnificent game. And, you know, as much as you can talk about the Crusaders fielded, you know, not their full-strength team, we've seen teams do that before. We've seen the Chiefs do it and things like that before. But nobody expected this, right? I mean, congratulations to the Drua on a fantastic performance, especially when they were down 12-0, conceded a couple of tries to rolling walls, and kind of part of me went, oh, maybe that's the writing on the wall. That's how this game's going to go. Yeah, you sort of always felt that there was inevitability about the fact that the Crusaders would just find a way to win. And when it went into those that, that last 10 minutes, it looked like that was, was going to happen. Um However, you know, the, the way that the Drua stayed in the fight for the majority of the game uh, and equally, they, they really took every opportunity that, that was presented to them or that they created. And, and you know, that, that is basically the catalyst for how they won the game because the Crusaders presented to them off a knock-on, um, off the kickoff, that one opportunity to steal the game and they managed to do that. So I think it was reflective of the way the game really went. Um, Look, we, we won't go into the nuts and bolts of it too much at the moment uh, because we're, um, you know, we're, we're going to look uh, into it uh, in depth throughout the entire show. But one thing I would say that will be incredibly concerning for the Crusaders just to create a talking point and for the listeners out there to consider um, here on the Bunnings Trade um, Sunday Rugby Run is the fact that the Crusaders could only really find a way to the try line with a dro- driving wall. Mm-hmm. You know, three driving ball tries. Yes, the Sevu Reese one was an anomaly in that mix, but they looked like they had no creativity, no imagination of how to break down the Fiji and Drua except for getting close to their line and then getting an opportunity to get a rolling ball go, uh, going, which the Drua just simply could not defend. Yeah, and that was, uh, I mean... You looked at that game, and you, you, I got to the end of that game, and I felt like that the the drawer played most of the rugby, if you like. You know, like yeah. you say, you know, Crusaders dominated that set piece, and they they played to their strengths. But it felt like the drawer were the ones that were creating things and being exciting to watch. Yeah, it certainly did. You know, they they were um, much more expansive. You know, Crusaders' game plan would have been totally not to allow themselves to get 
sucker punched into playing that style of rugby. So they methodically stuck about um, sticking to their game plan, which was very direct. They didn't play how to scouter at all. They looked to build everything that they had in the game off set piece, scrum or line out. Um, they didn't really offer a lot in counter-attack. Um, they were quite content just to sort of plug away and, and, and not, you know, entertain being um, brought into a game that they, they didn't want to play in hot, difficult conditions, which the, the drawer are used to. But it didn't deter the drawer. They just played the, the natural way that they know how to play, and it just makes me wonder whether or not the Crusaders went too insular and, and didn't play their style of game and, and, and be more creative, that they kind of negatively went into the game thinking, well, we don't want that to happen, so let's just play this way. I mean, as much as a, uh, the Crusaders put out what you would call a, a weakened back line, you know, with Willie Hines at nine, Fergus Burke at 10, had David Harvey, Braden Enor in the midfield, Sevi Reese on one wing, but Maka Springer on the other and, and Shea Funaki, uh, Fihaki at the, at the back, that forward pack was pretty much as strong as it could be. I mean, without the uh, the rested all-black hooker, I mean, pretty much everyone else was was there that should have been there, right? Maybe uh, no Ethan Blackadder, but otherwise, the, I mean, the tight five was as good as it's going to get. Yeah, it was. I, I think they certainly missed Ethan Blackadder, you know. And obviously, the other part of the equation is it was a huge moment for Scott Barrett as well, you know, playing, playing his 100th Super game for, for the Crusaders. So, yeah, there, there, there's always that, uh, I guess, that respect. I know that myself, um, that Crusaders like to... Uh, make sure that milestones and significant milestones are rewarded with a great team performance. And you can't conclusively say that that happened. But back to your point, yeah, look, uh, when we did um, In the Red on Monday, I posed the question to you, Ricardo, Mm. you know, what will Scott Robertson do in terms of selection this week? Because this is a dangerous game for them. Um, Will he sort of stick to script, uh, even though he lost that first game against the Chiefs, because it's kind of probably throwing what he thought he might do with players, but now he's in a different position. Will he pull that put that side out there because he can ill afford to drop that game? We had that very conversation, <laughs> and he did go and select a few, quite a few players, and rest a few that now I think he'll be massively regretting because it's put them. I think they're sitting about eighth on the table, seventh or eighth. Well, it's put them on the eight, uh, the eight ball, in that they've also this weekend now got to go back from Fiji and go to Auckland and play the Blues at Eden Park. That's looming as yeah. a massive game now. They drop that. They're one and one from four. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they've they've certainly put themselves now in a, a must win type situation. Uh, you know, and and no doubt about it. That I think the 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 game in Fiji would have been draining, um, but I certainly feel that the game in uh, Wellington between the Hurricanes, having watched it um, close up, and the Blues, and talked to both coaches afterwards. They had some very sore players, very, very sore. It was an incredibly physical game. So I think the Crusaders won't have kind of had that type of um, physicality against the Drua because it was a more free-flowing game. So they've got to reset as well to get back to that physical mindset to take on the Blues who have just been through a game like that. So they are they are tuned up and ready to go and, and, expect, uh, and, and physically probably in a different mental space. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they regroup. Uh, we are uh, hoping to have uh, Glenn Jackson on, the assistant coach of the Fijian Drua, at uh, some point during the show. He's not quite picking up at the moment, uh, Justin, but you would have to think that they will be very, very happy with what they've seen there. And, I mean, that crowd in Lautoka uh, enjoyed every moment of that. It, was, uh, it, it looks like a, a great place to, to host 
visiting teams because you, you certainly have the 16th man, as it were, in the stands. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, that that's what the essence of the game's all about. It, it, it almost makes you feel like it's a club club uh, footy final. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt that... Um, I think that there's no doubt that when you're over there, you're going to get that type of environment. Um, so yeah, I, I certainly feel that that's a, that is a 16th man. Um, and the only way that you can stop that Ricardo is to, to take the drawer out of the game early. And then that doesn't grow and doesn't get any legs. But if they stay in the fight, which they did the whole time against the Crusaders, that really lifts that team and you saw it happening. Yeah, you did. You did indeed. And I kind of thought that maybe they did that when they got that 12-0 up, you know, the two rolling wall tries, maybe take the crowd out of it a little bit. But, you know, again, you know, we talk about creating things. The Drua, that that try was actually really gifted to them because it was, it was a breakdown in play from the Crusaders that they latched upon and then just, you know, sprinted away. Um, yeah. fant- fantastic try uh, that that was. I think it was Marcy that, that, that picked the ball up and just went. No one could get near him. So, look, uh, I, I think it's fantastic game of rugby. Uh, the fact that it was such a contest and that the the draw stayed in it when you thought they were out, I think there's a lot yeah. uh, to take from that for them. Oh, well and truly. And, you know, man, hasn't it made the competition just a hell of a lot more exciting because everybody now is aware that the Crusaders aren't invincible. The Drua, I spoke to Leon after the game yesterday and um, he said to me, oh, mate, he said, we've got to go play them later on in the year. And I can tell you now we'll be taking a full strength side and, that's going to be one of the toughest challenges of the season. So, yeah, it's, it's set up the whole entire competition. I think it's brilliant. Uh, joining us now out of uh, the Fijian Drua camp is the assistant coach, uh, Glenn Jackson. Uh, Bulavanaki, Glenn, how you doing, mate? You, you, you boys must be uh, on top of the world. Well, okay, yeah, just having a bit of an R&R out in 7th heaven out in the middle of the ocean, mate. So it's a pretty good way to relax after a hard four win. Well, you make sure you get some sunscreen on, Jacko, with that uh, skin tone of yours, or uh, you'll burn very quickly. Um, I can imagine what you're like out there. Um, stuck in a few cold beers, I guess, because, man, um, what did you make of that game last night? Like, what's your summary of, of what you saw um, in that contest? Cheers, Marshy. Yes, uh, plenty of sunscreen on, mate. As you know, the parlangy skin not so good over here. But, uh, <laughs> look, uh, no, the boys were good, mate. It's, um, I think... Uh, one of the biggest words during the week was the belief that they can do it. Um, uh, last year we lost by 60, and I think half the boys were so excited to meet their heroes, really, of the Crusaders team. So it was, a uh, first of all, just to get in their mindset that they can actually give it a go and, and give them a good run. And then um, hopefully, you know, with the heat and the, and the Lautoka crowd, we could we could come um, in the last 20 minutes and, and get a victory. So sort of what happened. So it was a pretty awesome experience for the boys. Glenn, watching that game, you know, especially the way it started and the Crusaders got a couple of tries from rolling walls. I looked at their tight five on paper and I thought, oh, well, here we go again. That's what they're going to do. Um, what was the thought in the commentary box when it went to, uh, in the commentary, in the coaching box when it went to 12 0? Exactly what you said, I think. Uh, obviously, their tight five, and especially their locks, are, you know, the best in the world and uh, Scooter's 100th game. Obviously, they had plenty to play for, so it was awesome for him to have a 100th game. But, uh, yeah, no, it was a bit like that. It was like we knew if we our discipline was poor, that's exactly what they'd do. They'd slow it down, kick to the corner, and, and that you know they're, they're not six-time champions for for that exact reason. So it was again good credit to to the boys and especially our forward pack to try and um you know stop stop the leakage that they were letting happen. And then 
um, obviously a couple of runaway tries that the, the boys are sort of famous for that sort of opened the game up. So it was uh, it was it was good, you know, going at twelve four, uh, twelve five at half time was was good that we we had a chance to to get the victory in the second half, and that's what happened. So it was great. Jacko, when you saw the side that, that Scott Robertson named, um, how how did that make you feel? Did it fool you with a little bit more sort of? I guess encouragement, or did you just feel it's just typical Crusaders? I've got the depth. Yes, there's no Moonga, um, there's no Ethan Blackadder, whatever it might be. Or did you kind of think, you know what, I, th- this helps us? Do you think that they underestimated how tough you were going to be? Uh, mate, I, I don't think they underestimated. I mean, they, like you said, that the six-time champions, and so they've got a squad that can can win whenever they want. I, I think the two names that you probably mentioned the most of the two that we sort of were most thankful we weren't playing. That was good. Richie was actually there on holiday, so we I thanked him after the game for not uh, donging on the red and black. But uh, um, yeah, they were, they, they were obviously the two form players for them, and especially Richie. Obviously, every time he plays the Crusaders, I think their win rates over 90%. So um, Fergus Burke, we knew, is a, is a fantastic red player and had a great Mitre 10 Cup. But uh, it certainly gave the boys a little bit of hope. And again, I, I'll probably put it down to just the belief that, okay, we'll we know why they won is because of, of Richie a lot of the time. So just the belief that well, we're a chance uh, against against the, this Crusader team is, um, was, was something that helped us a lot. Now you've got uh, a week to prepare to take the boys uh, to Queensland to take on uh, the Reds. What's the plan this week? And I, I guess maybe motivationally, how do you, how do you get them up again and, and, and not too carried away with this, if you like? One of the greatest things of coaching a Fiji team and the Fijian culture is uh, sometimes you never know if they've won or lost in the change shed. It's a pretty similar sort of uh, outlook on life. Um, so uh, they they bounce back super well from, from a loss and from a win. So it's really good. We've got a Sunday game, so it gives us an extra day of uh, training. And uh, the boys are actually on the road for, the, for a week because we're staying over in Brisbane and then heading to the Highlanders. So it's a good time to probably... So you take the boys into camp and um, just, you know, we, we knew we had a really hard start in the straw. And if we could pick up one one win, we're sort of moving well. But to pick up two is a, is a good way to, to head into onto the road and, and, and just get the boys into a hotel and eat some good food. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And obviously you're two from three now. I was going to ask you that too. Pre-season, what was the goal? What was the, you know, talking amongst the uh, leadership group, the coaching group, what was the goal setting like for this season for you guys? It sounds like you're well ahead of the curve. Yeah, we are. I, I think uh, if you looked at the draw, we've got a pretty good draw at the back end. Uh, we've got sort of uh, four home games in our last six. So we sort of try and try and stay there or thereabouts uh, for the beginning of the season and, and, and sort of come home strongly. So as you said, to to get where we are now, it's sort of um, a little bit above where we hoped we were, but we had a pretty good pre-season. And, and as Marshy and anyone knows that, you know, winning becomes a bit of a bit of a habit, really. So we won our two pre-season games well and then and then now to that so the boys actually getting a real bit bit of belief around uh winning is is the culture well last year we probably had a losing culture so it's, it's nice to change it around just final question jacko because i know uh at seven's heaven that the beer is really cold and you're a thirsty man so you'll be looking forward to getting your lips around <laughs> one of those to celebrate um but mate, you've got to tell me what were you thinking when old mate valentini stepped, stepped up to kick that winning penalty head he hadn't kicked the goal at all, and where you're thinking, oh my goodness, this could go anywhere. <laughs> uh, it was good for the guy to come on debut. We actually subbed him off.
the goal kicker. So uh, poor old Teddy didn't have a great day at the boot, so it was sort of put it put old mate on four minutes to go just in case. It was a late decision to see how it went, and I was actually with the two front row boys, the two props, which I'm not often with those fellas, but I just wanted to, I said, mate, don't, don't worry if this misses or loses. That last scrum was world-class from you boys, so congratulations. And, and the both of them were down on their haunches, and when he kicked it over, they uh, both jumped on me, and I never want to be near Pops ever again, so it was a, a pretty disappointing way to finish the game. <laughs> oh, mate, it sounds like you were the one on the physio table at the end of the game, were you? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's amazing, as you know, when you win or lose, uh, the the it's, uh, the body feels a lot better. So most of the boys came in pretty happy. So it was bloody awesome. Oh, mate, fantastic! Hey, listen, Jacko, thanks very much for giving us some time the day after such a big win. We'll let you go and enjoy the team uh, and enjoy yourself, mate. Congratulations again, and look forward to seeing you um, over over this part of the world uh, and and out in action there, uh, doing it all over again. Good luck for the rest of the season, eh? Cheers, thanks again. I just want to say we'll to Scott Barrett, mate. Awesome hundred games. So thanks for coming out. Bloody awesome. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. There you go. Uh, Glenn Jackson with us, the assistant coach of the Fiji and Drawer. And yeah, he's uh, he's Jack has been on a on a great skid, hasn't he? I I don't know if you oh. know this, Marshy. I was back in the mid nineties when I first started in radio. I, I started at a radio station in Tauranga, and I ended up working uh, at Tauranga Sports Rugby Club. And Jacko was the first five. At about 18 then, he'd just come through the ranks. Uh, And so knew him from those days. And then to see him go on and do what he did with the Chiefs and then retire early to become a referee and then do what he did at referee. And now he's he's a guy that just drives himself to excellence. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, obviously New Zealand Māori, but he he was really knocking on the door of the All Blacks. And I played with Jacko at Saracens in the UK. And I can tell you the time that he spent there, he was probably there for 10 years. He was quite clearly one of the best teams going around. Um, if he could have qualified for England, he would have played for them. Um, so, yeah, great man. And and look, he's touched every single part of rugby, hasn't he? Yeah. Coaching, playing, uh, and refereeing. I wonder which one he, he, he preferred. <laughs> I just hope he writes a book one day, mate, because he, he he's going to have some stories. Oh. No, I wouldn't. There's too much that he couldn't put in there, mate. So we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> it is 18 past one here on the Buddings Trade Rugby Run Sunday afternoon. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall, with you. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. You can get your texts into us double eight double three double eight double three. We'll get to a couple of those shortly, and uh, Marshall's going to give us his uh, Kubota. Uh, man of the round as well, Mr. Reliable. Who's it going to be? Find out next here on SENZ. 23 past one here on SENZ. This is your Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Sunday afternoon. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Just an update from the cricket for you uh, cricket fans. Uh, it is lunch and the Sri Lankans are 150 for four at lunch. Blair Tickner, four for 40 of 16 overs, Marshit, second uh, inning, so uh, good for him. No Neil Wagner today. Uh, he's uh, had an injury problem, so he's not going to bowl at all for the rest of the innings uh, from the sounds of things, so that could be a bit of a miss. Now, uh, you can text us double eight double three double eight double three with your thoughts uh, and your questions for Marshy. And Ken has come in with this one, Marshy. Uh, guys... For the Blues, how good is RTS becoming? Thought he got the better of Geordie last night, and Hoskins was great also. But that TMO decision was appalling. Go the Drua. Cheers, Ken. Yeah, uh, good. I, I like it. Uh, obviously a Blues supporter because he couldn't help but have a dig at Crusaders <laughs> at the finish of the test. <laughs> um, good on you, Ken. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Roger, in the last two weeks, has played 
um, much better than, than what we've seen him play uh, recently. And, and I think he's actually starting to adapt and adjust now. Big part of it is I felt that he's probably recognised he just needed to take a little bit of depth. Uh, he, he was lo- quite often getting ball and defender at the same time, and it didn't allow him to put any footwork or um, any um, sort of weak shoulder, uh, get a weak shoulder on the defender because he was just basically too flat. And I still think he could take another metre in depth to just to allow his strength to come out, which is, is obviously his explosiveness and his footwork. But yes, the last two weekends, he certainly has um, greatly improved. He is up against, um, you know, one of the best players going around at the moment in Geordie Barrett, and he certainly didn't look out of place. Their clash, I thought, was quite even. I don't know if he got the better of Geordie, but he certainly didn't lose any ground on him. And, you know, he probably will be the starting 12 for the All Blacks this year. So it goes to show you that RTS um, absolutely is in the mix. And I, I, I agree, um, Hoskins Tatuta, he's absolutely loving this new law of freedom off the back of the scrum because it's um, allowing him to get into the games early by getting off the back of the scrum and then he gets confidence in his running game and the rest of his game is flowing on from that. So, uh, yeah, I think he's hit the ground running and is in good form as well. And uh, just on the, uh, I think Ken is referring to the the Josh Morby try um, because I looked at that a couple of times and I thought probably the ball did probably end up just touching the chalk, but I felt like he lost it. Yeah, so I've got confirmation um, this morning because uh, I wanted to sort of make sure that we were I was on the same page with the officials in World Rugby on, on this particular uh, ruling, and I got it from Chris Pollock, actually. Uh, you don't actually have to be in control of the ball anymore as long as you, uh, as long as you ground, ground it um, before you lo- lose, any, lose any forward momentum of the ball. So it can, you can have separation now is what I'm saying in, in a long-winded way. So you can actually go to plant the ball, your hand comes off it, but as long as you get your hand back on it before it hits the ground, that doesn't constitute a knock-on. It means you've forced it. So there has been a slight variation in the law there, Ken. Um, I wasn't aware of that last night, and I tended to agree with you, but now I know that, and they definitely saw the ball on the chalk. That was a fair try under the current law of grounding. So, yeah, there's been a slight adjustment there, which I wasn't aware of, and I'll put my hand up for that. Yeah, no, good stuff, Marshy. All right, time for our uh, Kubota, uh, Mr. Reliable of the round. Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Marshy, who you got this week? This will probably come as a bit of a shock to people um, because we've got some really consistent performers um, at the moment. I think I've sort of mentioned Damien McKenzie um, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, there are some others uh, that are playing very, very well. Um, you know, Finley Christie, Hoskins Tatuta has been good, but... I'm going to go for uh, the, the the Drewer Nine, Frank Lamani. Uh, I think both both the last two weekends he's been he's been really consistent. Uh, he's a catalyst for them um, because they can be a bit erratic at times. But I think his maturity. He's obviously a Fijian player as well, internationally, uh, and he just looked super composed last night. He made some scintillating line breaks. Um, you know, he just he just matures that team. And he, so he, 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 to me, is very consistent in their performance and he's also an X-Factor player for them and he fulfills his role really well. So Frank Lomani from the Drua is my Mr. Consistency. Is that what it is? Yeah, what, or what Mr. You, Reliable. What you, what's the catch? Mr. Reliable. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, I thought, mate, I thought he was he was unlucky not to get the try assist in the, in the first half, wasn't he? That yeah. run that he made and then passed the ball up off the deck. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the 12 butchered it, didn't he? So. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's actually a, a piece of genius 
um, really didn't. I, I'll take that back because it was actually absolutely outstanding um, last gasp effort from Willie Hines, who mm. actually dislodged the ball. Um, so he didn't actually lose it, the Fijian player whose name eludes me at the moment. It was Willie Hines' brilliant defending that saved that try. Yeah, no, you're right, 100%. Kubota, for over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building in New Zealand together. We'll have another Mr. Reliable next week here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. You can power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Uh, we're going to power over to the Western Island uh, after this and talk to Nick McArdle from Stansport. Ricardo and Marshy with you on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. You can power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And joining us from Stan Sport over in uh, Australia is Nick McArdle. G'day, Nick. How you doing? Ricardo, Marshy, hello. Nice to be with you. Thanks for do- thanks for taking the call, mate. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, tell you what, there'll be it might be a few people in uh, in Queensland a bit nervous about the uh, the visit of the Drua next Sunday after what we saw yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, they were uh, they were good, weren't they? And what about the the crowd up there in Lautoka as well? It was um, it was unbelievable to watch, and um, yeah, a lot of self belief now for the Fijians. But I think travelling is still going to be an issue for them. They're going to be hard to beat at home, uh, but uh, whether they can start putting together wins on the road, that's going to be the the issue for them. But yeah, and and I've got to say, that the Reds aren't travelling great at the moment. I think that um, that win in Melbourne during Super Round over the Force might have Papered over a few cracks for the Reds. Nick, thanks for joining us, mate. I, I know you're making your way home, so appreciate your time on a Sunday. Um, wanted to ask you about the Reds. Uh, I saw James O'Connor was uh, back on the field um, for them again last night, and um, you look across that side, and they are a very good side, and quite a few Australian internationals in it, but at the moment, they're just struggling to find their mojo. What, what's going on with them? Yeah, they, they do look a little bit sort of disjointed, don't they, Marcy? And, and last night, and, and even in a practical sense, um, you know, around the breakdown, you compare the two teams, the, the Brumbies so well drilled at everything they do. And, um, yeah, the, the Reds are just looking like uh, a little bit like a team of individuals. Uh, it's it's hard to say. I, with In terms of the coaching up there, there's always speculation um Around, well, I think I think it's accepted that Brad Thorne this will be his his last year. But it's almost like there's a, a, a ceiling being reached um, for the Reds that uh, they haven't quite improved over the last uh, couple of years. And, and you look at that team on paper. And I said to Brad Thorne last night we did a, a warm up in the interview. And you know when you got James O'Connor and, and Jock Campbell sitting on the bench, um, it's a pretty good team. Um, I think they're missing Peniela Tupo at the moment in terms of, you know, around the, the scrum and even the carries around the park. It's just uh, it's just not quite working for them at the moment. They're a little bit clunky. It feels like they've had a couple of halves that have worked well, right? The first half against the Canes, they were right in that match and I thought, you know, they could, they could take the second half and they fell away second half. And it feels like, uh, you know, last night against the Brumbies was a bit the same. They weren't quite there in the first half but kind of clicked more for them in the second. It feels like there's a performance coming from them, right? Yeah, and, and but the, the problem is, Ricardo, it's kind of felt like that for a couple of years. They've been playing games like that for, for two or three years. Um, you know, even when we were playing on our own here on this side of the Tasman during COVID and they won that Super Rugby AU Championship. Throughout that year, 
um, consistency was a real theme for them. I, I remember in, in post-match interviews, they were like, you know, we, we just need to put 80 minutes together. And um, so so that's what I mean. It hasn't it hasn't kind of developed. It hasn't um, moved on from, from where it was two or three years ago. In terms of that, they just haven't been able to, to put together the the consistently good 80-minute performance. Which is what the Brumbies are doing. So, you know, they're impressive. Uh, everybody here in New Zealand, including the players, uh, know how dangerous they are. They're well-coached, they're well-drilled. So we'll skip skip on past them and, <laughs> and, and, and have, have a bit of a dig at what's going on with the Waratahs getting tipped up by the Rebels last night. I couldn't be more impressed with their growth last year, the young talent coming through. Uh, you know, some guys that got opportunities in the Wallabies on the end-of-year tour. But, mate, again, another team that's just really struggling. What's going... What do, what do you see is going wrong in that environment? Well, it, it looked to me, Marcy, like a bit of a, an attitude problem the other night. They, uh, they didn't start particularly well. They got the momentum back early in the second half. And it just felt like they expected to win. It's a really... Um, a really interesting way that they've gone into the season. So you think back and back at home at Allianz, uh, they were really determined to uh, re-engage the crowd. You know, the crowds had followed them to the smaller venue at, at Leichhardt Over, which they'd packed out a couple of times, really good atmosphere. And they, what was it, eight wins, I think, last year they got, and that was yeah. eight more than the year before. So they'd, they'd progressed. Um, but DC was sort of, Darren Coleman was saying... Listen, with the players we've got back at home, we need to win. We need to win consistently. He he was saying we're a top four team if we don't make top four this year. So so that created this expectation and pressure straight away. Um, whereas, really, are they a top four team? I mean, if you line them up against uh, the Crusaders, the Blues, uh, the Brumbies, got the, the the way the Chiefs are playing, even even the Hurricanes, are they? going to mix it with those teams consistently um you're pro- probably not at this stage they're still a developing team and and that eight wins last year was probably about right um but mm. even you know you talk about those players that they developed uh that that went on that end of season two and mark nonganitawasi is one of them langi gleason is one of them um they're still really early in their development so to be expecting them to Put out consistent performances week in and, and week out, and and uh, and compete against the best sides in the competition. It just doesn't feel like they're quite there yet. Having said all of that, they should be able to beat the Rebels. Um, and with the players they've got, you line those two teams up on paper, they should be able to beat the Rebels. They just weren't there the other night, and we talk about that, that sort of sense of disconnection around the Rebels. There was a bit of that with the Tars as well. They're not looking quite as well drilled as, let's say, the Brumbies, for example. So, yeah, they're, they're probably uh, not quite the team that all the talk would suggest they are just at the moment. And they're missing you know, a guy like Angus Bell as well, you know, with a bit of that test experience mm-hmm. up front. Um, I, I think that, that the front five, um, that, that tight five is is probably not to the standard that you would necessarily need uh, from a top four team. Um, and, you know, Ned Hannigan was a late withdrawal. Uh, Dave Parecki was a, a late withdrawal. 
um, they miss those sort of harder heads in the pack. So still some work to do for the Tars. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Nick, earlier in the season, or pre-season actually, I talked to a couple of people out of Oz who suggested that the Waratahs could push the Brumbies to be the top team out of Australia this year, uh, based on what they'd seen last year and the talent they had coming through. It looks like there's some way off that. And I, I got to thinking and looking at all the results we've seen from the Australian teams outside of the Brumbies, and I'm struggling to figure out who's going to be the second best team out of Australia. Have you, have you, have you got a take? Yeah, good question. I mean, the, the Waratahs, the Waratahs really should be. Um, it's funny when you start comparing teams with the Brumbies, and <laughs> it's Marty. You know, you, you would have heard our guys say this year on year in terms of that they talk about identity and and uh, knowing the type of rugby they want to play. But it really is true when it comes to the the Brumbies. They know exactly the game that they that they want to play, um, and we saw it against the Blues. The way that they can strangle teams as well. They've got these different facets to the game. They're so well drilled and they know their identity. I look at a team like the Waratahs at the moment. I'm not sure they could say you know, what do we want to be? How, how do we want to play this game? I, I'm just not sure that that identity and, and clear direction is there like it like it is for the Brumbies or, or the Crusaders for example, you know, who are so well drilled and, and know their identity so well. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the second team, you know, I think the potential is there for the Tars. And, and maybe it's a little bit too much expectation too early. With that list that they've got, if they can keep it together, maybe it is a, a next year or year after that we'll, we'll see them rise. But it just doesn't seem like it at the moment. Mate, you're in Melbourne uh, on the ground for Super Round. Um, what, what were your impressions of how, how that's playing out in terms of, you know, is it viable? Uh, were there good crowds? Do you think it's a, a good initiative? And then secondly, what, what kind of did you make of your sort of live experience of the New Zealand rugby f- franchises? And obviously uh, the, the Blues did get tipped up by the Brumbies. Yeah, um, all, all good questions, Marcia. I thought you were going to say, what were my first impressions of Joey Wheeler having never met him before? <laughs> so that was, uh... <laughs> well, you know, you, mate, we've got open floor for that. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, from from our point of view, from uh, from I think Marsha, you were there that first year, weren't you? Um, from yeah. from memory, yeah. you came over, um, and from from a broadcaster's point of view, that's that's one of the best parts of the weekend, getting to do this sort of co-production with with colleagues in New Zealand, and it's just so much fun. So from a work point of view, it's it's a great weekend. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, the event itself, I just think it's. It's a bit of a sleeping giant. If if there could be sort of more cohesion between uh, the broadcaster, uh, the teams, the the promoters, if they could all, if we could all come together and work on it being an event um, where you know you think you could have bands. They tried with with Dale Braithwaite, but you could have bands all weekend, and and it could be a real festival. You've got a whole precinct around that that. Um, that place at Amy Park where you could have your food trucks and your and your rugby yeah. clinics and all that sort of thing. It, it really does have potential, but I think it averaged like fifteen or 16,000 across the weekend per day. That's just not enough to make it sustainable in the long-term future. And the reason, I don't know whether this is really being talked about, but my understanding is the reason it ended up in Melbourne, it was put out to tender 
and the Victorian government was basically the only bidder. Um, so if we could get some competitive tension in the in the bidding and and take it to a I don't know a, a Brisbane or an Auckland or a, or a Wellington, I think that it could be something very special. I'm just not sure at the moment that Melbourne is the place for it. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a great fun weekend, but I'd just love to see you know, 20 or 25,000 people there every day because we got a hint of what it could be. You know, when the when the Drua were playing, for example, and, and that the Pacifica crowd was in, it was awesome. It was it was so good. Um, so you just got that hint of what it might be. But in terms of um, seeing the teams up close, I, I guess I was encouraged um, by the competitive nature of the weekend. Uh, it wasn't like it might have been a couple of years ago. I remember when Australian teams, what was it, they go 25 or 30 games or something? They couldn't... They couldn't remember it very well, Nick, yes. Very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was just... <laughs> thanks, yeah. Um, it was just... Um, it was just dire, you know, and luckily uh, this time, um, you know, head-to-head in, a, in a, a showcase, it wasn't like that. Every game felt like it had competitive tension in it um you know the 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 uh the rebels coming back for example you know making that a game um moana pacifica coming back making making that a game um unfortunately there were a couple of blowouts towards the end particularly the reds you know over the force um which may well have papered over some of those cracks as i mentioned for for the reds but um yeah, I, I just i loved i think we all love seeing the new zealand teams on this side of the ditch, um, but it is also good to see uh, the Australian teams being able to be competitive and in uh, in the case of the Brumbies beating the Blues, getting a win. And, and that was that was big for us because it says to the Australian public, because as you know, we always think long-term about the Bledisloe and about the World Cup. It says to us that when, when we've got a, a core of players who uh, can go out and beat one of the best sides in New Zealand, then maybe we're starting to get back on track a little bit. Nick, do you think... I, I looked at the draw and I thought maybe that they, they got the draw a little bit wrong. and Not that that's going to fix everything, but I just thought, if we're in Melbourne for this Super Weekend, I want to see New Zealand team versus Australia team the whole way through and maybe Moana versus Drua. Um, we only had two of those matchups over the weekend. Yep, no, that's, that's, a, that's a fair call. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that, uh, that maybe that's something they, they do need to, to think about. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the thinking was behind that, but whether that's just in the end, maybe that lack of lack of forethought and lack of cohesion around the whole event itself, maybe that's just another facet of that. Yeah, potentially. All right, okay. Listen, mate, really appreciate you coming on and having a chat to us here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run, mate. Uh, appreciate your time. Go well and uh, keep up the good work over at Stan Sport, eh? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, great, great fun. And uh, and as I said, um, anytime you guys are up for a chat, I'm up for a chat. Yeah, mate, good stuff. Cheers, Nick. Thanks very much, Nick McCall yeah. there with us out of uh, Stan Sports. Uh, they cover all the Super Rugby over in Oz and do a damn good job of it as well. Hey, how intimidating was it, Marshy? You'd be quite glad you went in Melbourne. I, I did. I did watch uh, a few games and Sonny Bill Williams doing sideline commentary in a white singlet with the guns out. Yeah, mate, <laughs> <laughs> like. He's next level, old Sonny Bill, and uh, um, only Sonny Bill could get away with that as well. Uh, anybody else, I, I don't think it would be uh, seen as being 
um, something that you could do and get away with, but Sonny Bill seemed to. But, yeah, I, look, I I totally agree with what uh, Nick was saying. You know, they, they, they could do it so much better. The concept's brilliant. Mm. Uh, and you see it in rugby league, don't you, where they do such a good job and then they have hero rounds or whatever they have. I think rugby's trying to um, emulate that, but just not quite getting it right at the moment. Isn't it really bizarre to hear that the Victorian government was the only ones to put their hands up to host all the super rugby teams in their city, the revenue, the the crowds that it would bring in. Um, it goes to show you that it is still struggling away rugby in Australia. You know, it does play second fiddle to quite a lot of sports here. So you wonder whether or not it's super rugby um, Pacific and the governing body looking at maybe offering up the opportunity to, yeah, a New Zealand um, city. I'd like to see it in Brisbane, I think. Brisbane would do it well, you know, um, to be honest. I think yeah. they, they've got the, they do the, the league super round as well. Well, you got Suncorp. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, fantastic. Mm. Beaver was there, and he said to me he thinks they should do it in two days rather than three. He said because you had Friday, you had 18,000. Saturday, you had 18,000. He said you would have been lucky to have 10 on a Sunday. But if yeah. you had three games, three games with slightly earlier kickoffs and then a band on the field at the end and turn it into yep. a party on the Saturday night, that's, you know, maybe sure. maybe a fix. And, you know, Beave knows all about partying, mate. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll defer to his expertise on that. Yeah, well, he knows what people are like after two days on the beers. They're hung over on a Sunday, so they're not going to be turning up, are they? Exactly. <laughs> he exactly. knows very well. <laughs> it's 10 away from two here on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Six away from two here on SENZ. This is your Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. You can power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. I tell you, power, something that England uh, lack at the moment, Marshy. I, uh, I thought, you know, they, they, they had that first up loss to the Scots. And they got back on the wagon, beating Wales and Italy. I thought we we're really going to find out how good Steve, Steve Borthwick is with these last two games against the French and the Irish. Mm. Got a little bit of an answer. Big time, yeah. Uh, he made some pretty big calls too, benching um, Farrell. So, you know, the, the, and, and, you know, some of the selections um, that he is making are different to what Eddie Jones was in terms of the players he was selecting. Uh, it was a big game for England. It was a real it was a real staunch test to see exactly where they're at, and they failed miserably. They really did. Um, I watched the game, and they were completely out-physicaled. Um, they, they were bullied by the French pushed off their scrum ball, um, battered. Their tackling was absolutely awful. Um, it really was. And, uh, yeah, they weren't even in the contest at all. So really, really worrying signs for England and where they are at currently. Can you stop smiling when you say that? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> I tell you, you... you um, you think that you kind of have a smile on your face as a New Zealander. You should see what the Scottish and the Welsh will be dancing in the street. I'll still be partying. <laughs> well, we'll be talking to a former Scotland international shortly, Brendan Laney. He'll probably just want to talk Six Nations and forget all about his Highlanders. But exactly. we'll do that next here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. We'll be back shortly with that man, the guy they call Buff Chainsaw Laney. Just gone 2 o'clock here on SENZ. This is your Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall to power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. You can get your messages uh, to us. Double eight double three is the text line. If you've got a question 
for Justin Marshall uh, or for our next guest, uh, Brendan Laney, Laney, former, of course, Scotland International. will be happy as Larry uh, with this morning's result, no doubt. Uh, uh, Buff, mate, I, I thought Steve Borthwick taking over as the England coach meant that they were going to be strong up front and do the basics well. Um, if you can't do that, what, what have they got? Well, yeah, it was really quite a, an amazing performance from from France. But yeah, England didn't show up, did they? They were—I was quite blown away by how well unexcited they looked, really. Um, but gee whiz, the French looked bloody awesome, didn't they? Um, you know, they just looked so polished. I was probably the most polished the French performance I've seen in, in Six Nations for years, and you know, I think it's 18 years since I've won them and um, Twickenham. So. You know, pretty awesome performance, and, and uh, yeah, the English will be uh, they'll be certainly licking their wounds. Um, and then they got another big one up next with with Ireland, so next best team in the world. So gee whiz, what a what a couple of weeks for them. Well, I was saying to Marshy uh, before that you know I, I kind of thought when Steve Borthwick took over, he he got a bit of a free hit with Italy and Wales, um, but the real test was going to be France and Ireland, and. I just wonder, you know, because I looked at his, uh, talked to a few guys over in England, people like Chris Foy, Martin Gillingham, they said, look, uh, he'll do the basics well. His strength is, you know, forward play. Um, it'll be boring. It won't be exciting. Uh, but that they'll do that well. Uh, but, it, look, you know, based on what we've sort of seen there, I mean, it doesn't even look like they're uh, good enough to, to do that against the best teams. And if you can't do that, what have you got? Well, in, in the old adages, it starts up front, doesn't it? Um, you know, you can have all the best backs in the world, but if your forwards don't give you some ball to play with, and uh, like Darren Morris, was re- who was commentating, and he said exactly that himself. He said, you know, the ball that Marcus Smith and his backs got was pretty average. Um, but you've got to you've got to hand it to French. They they didn't let them get much ball, and 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 the ball they did get wasn't great. So. Um, yeah, I think Borthwick would be pretty pretty gutted um, because I think he was he was probably expecting to go quite well against the French, but that's that's an absolute shellacking, isn't it? It really is. Fifty odd points in a Test match is, is a hiding, and in Six Nations at home for 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 England at Twickenham, um, that'll be yeah, that is a huge loss. Hey, Buff, great great to hear from you, mate, and thanks for joining us. Um, I guess. It actually warms my heart hearing that, to be perfectly honest. Anyway, <laughs> it is England at Twickenham, and nothing, nothing better than um, beating them up in their own patch. Oh, I love it. But <laughs> even even if it is the French, but um, absolutely, hey, uh, mate, you must be pretty happy with the way your former international side's going. Scotland under Gregor Townsend. Now it looks like him and uh, Finn Russell have well and truly um, kissed and made up, and they've they've got their relationship back on track and. Boy, they, they, they just look a really well-balanced side, really well-led um, up front and, and also, you know, really uh, strike power in the back line as well. Yeah, totally, Marcy. You did right, mate. Like, it's, it's been really cool to watch them, watch them go and I think it's just like the way they're actually playing too, the style of game they're playing. And, and yeah, you know, having a guy like Finn in the in this, in this side, you know, on, yes, they definitely have had to make up because we're... Or, uh, they weren't liking each other there for a while. <laughs> I know Tony's yeah. uh, got pretty pretty strong opinions about how he wants his team to play, and obviously Finn wasn't fitting that fitting that mould. So, but gee, was he's playing some bloody good rugby at the moment, and uh, 
and, and just the guys around them, um, you know, they all seem to be understanding their game really well, and, and he's got good cattle in there up front, uh, giving them good pull. So I, I just really love the, the unpredictability of it too, you know, like you, uh, they have to watch Finn Russell in particular because they don't know what he's going to do, and um, and, it's, and it's giving guys around them a bit of space, but, but their whole game plan seems to be fitting quite nicely, and, and they've got guys in positions that, just seem to be look like they're, they're they're understanding the game really well and it's working. So it's been really good to watch. So balancing all that out, you know, probably the most impressive side in the last calendar year, uh, and that's including the French, has been Ireland. Um, are they capable of beating Ireland? Do you think? Oh, definitely capable, um, but they're going to have to take every opportunity they get because the uh, the Irish, as we know, won't give them many. Um, it's going to be a hell of a tough test match. Um, the Irish are pretty keen to, to to keep their run going as well. Um, and you know, look, Six Nations is such a funny. It's a funny tra- championship. Um, the passion involved in it. The Scottish really do get up to play against Ireland, but they're going to have to get right up because this Irish side has been playing some really good football. And once again, they seem to be a team that just. Everyone seems to know their role and, and they're working really well together and they're, and they're playing some great rugby. So, uh, look, I, I, I think they can, but they're going to have to take every opportunity they get and um, and they're going to have to have 15 guys play extremely well um, to beat the Irish because uh, Ireland won't give them any opportunities and um, and they'll have to grab everyone. Well, I mean, I, I I don't have a I don't have a dog in the race um, tomorrow morning, mate. But I, I hope that Scotland win because that means it goes all down to the last weekend with three teams who have all got one loss each, and it means that the Irish are going to have to be well and truly up against England. And we, you know, we I'd, I'd love to see another fifty points. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, look at that, and that's it's it's a, it's an awesome competition like that. You know, if it did go down to the wire like that, and like said, Ricardo, it'd be awesome if you know everyone's had a loss, and and it just uh, makes the championship that more exciting. Uh, well, look, I, I really do think uh, Scotland have got an opportunity to to do well um, and and win this game. Um, Ireland will be really, like I said, really tough to beat, but. You'd have to say the Scottish boys have been playing some fantastic rugby, and um, and like I said, they've been enjoying themselves, and uh, and everyone seems to know their role. So I think it makes it a hell of a test match. Um, if you put aside the results um, of the championship, just the test match alone, I think is going to be an absolute thriller. So I'm looking forward to uh, my sky in it. I don't think I'll be getting up at four in the morning, but. Um, and uh, and watching them with my breakfast, so I'm looking forward to it. Hundredth uh, test for Stewie Hogg tomorrow as well. That's uh, that's going to give them a another reason to get up, surely. Yeah, absolutely. He's a pretty inspirational leader for them, and he's probably one of their biggest players. Um, and he's played some great rugby. Really, he has a hundred test matches in anybody's anybody's team. Uh, he played for your country a hundred times. It's just outstanding effort, and, and uh, you know. Stuart Hogg's just been, he's been one of the most attacking weapons. He's a hell of a good fellow by all accounts. I know Corey Finn speaks really highly of him, and um, I know he's pretty important for this for this uh, Scottish side, so it'll be um, you know, a great occasion for him, and wouldn't it be awesome if they could go out and, and get a result on his 100th too? That would just, just top it off for him. Well, we've, we've warmed you up nicely, mate, for the last five or six minutes, and... Um... We've we've been pretty uh, easy on you, so now we have to dig into the nitty gritty. <laughs> what the hell is going on with the Islanders? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, average. Eh? Um, 
gee, I, uh, I wish I had, um, I wish I had uh, the answer for that one. Look, I, I was, I was lucky enough to be in the in the change rooms after the game when they played the Blues, and they were pretty, they were pretty hurting. They were hurting a lot after that that mm. performance, and you know that that Blues side played extremely well. But then to come up against a, a Crusader side. Um, as we all know, that's um, you know come off a loss. Um, they tend to really put the uh, put the effort on themselves, and then they and then they tend to put the effort on the on the opposition they're playing. And, and when you when you got three All Blacks sitting on the bench, or not sitting, sorry, not even sitting on the bench, you know, watching the game because uh, mm. these rest periods, um, it makes it extremely tough for a Highlander side who, who haven't got a lot of stars in there. So. Um, look, they actually played not too bad against the Chiefs, so I'll, I'll give them the due that they defended extremely well. And, you know, the Chiefs chucked a heat at them, um, but it just showed the bit of class that the Chiefs have got, haven't they? They uh, scored a couple of really nice tries. Sean Stevenson, man, if that boy's um, not wearing an all-black jersey later in the year, they'll be very surprised. Um, yeah. And Damien McKenzie in the 10 just playing some extremely good rugby. And, and um, but once again, the Chiefs just seem to be a side that that seem to know all their roles early on in the competition. And uh, you now Dalton Millen's got them going really well. It's been really good to watch. I think probably both the hard thing for me to to fathom and and to, and and to try and basically accept is look, I I agree it was an a, a, an improved performance, but but hearing the the, the sort of the coach and a few of the players saying, you know, you know, we're proud of the effort and, you know, we were in the fight and, you know, we did this and that well. At the end of the day, mate, it's still a, it's still not a close contest and, and that's not kind of in the Highlanders' DNA. Like, they're, if they're getting beaten, they're usually really pissed off and it, it, did worry, it does worry me a little bit whether or not they are accepting that they haven't got the depth and the talent and, and that it's like, well, well, you know, we were in the fight because... That's not going to get them any results this year, really. That's what my mindset is. Do you feel the same way, or are you thinking differently? You see positives out there. No, look, I, I agree with what you're saying, and 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 you know, look, any team in any position, like uh, you know, they get three losses under their belt, but you know, they've been reasonably decent losses too. You know, like you said, okay, yeah. it was a, they did some positive stuff. But yeah, it was still thirty points, wasn't it? Um, mm. And you know, I do. I see uh, Dooms uh, mentioned that uh, now they're a bit gutted that um, obviously the the performance, but they were they've been looking at the the other end of the competition, especially where they've rested the All Blacks and stuff like that. And those first three games are always going to be really tough. Well, you want to win competitions, you yeah. play the best, and you got to beat them all. Um, so you know that attitude's. Um, they're going to have to change that really bloody quick because um, it's not going to. You know, waiting for later on down the track <laughs> ain't going to work because um, they're going to come up against other teams in this competition who are going to give them heaps and uh, and that that losing thing becomes a bit of a habit too. I, I know it's yes. only early doors for them, but it does become a habit. So you know they're going to get in suit situations and think, oh no, not again. So. Yeah, it's 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 really tough to watch, and I agree with you. I think they're going to have to change their mindset pretty bloody quickly, otherwise, uh, yeah, they could be sitting under their post a wee bit more. And that, and and you know, add a few more injuries. I think there was ten guys they listed there on on Friday night that they didn't have plan or who were injured. So yeah, you add that on as well. It's going to make a hell of a long year if uh, if things continue that way. Yeah, it will, mate. It will. Um, and I've got to say, I, I ask you about this, and I, I've talked about it a couple of times, but the first two games. 
after the first two games where uh, the Highlanders shipped 50 points, Billy Harmon was interviewed post-match both times, and he said he thought they defended well. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I know he wasn't involved, but I'm guessing he must have been absolutely fizzing about that performance on Friday night then. Yeah, yeah, well, defence is not always going to win your game, is it? And like you said, defending well, getting 50 points dreamed in you is not, not exactly great defence, is it? Um, yeah, look, it's it's a really tough one. Look, and, and I suppose internally, you know, he's one of the leaders, Billy, and he's been playing extremely well. Um, and he'll be, he'll be um, you know, defence is a pride thing too, you know. You don't want to let, let teams in the way they have. Um so yeah, they'll be really disappointed. They will be, um, but they've got to they've got to try and sort of hang on to those positives that, that they've got now. Um, yeah, like you said, Ricardo, if, if defence is what they're hanging on to, then uh, 50 points ain't the way it's, uh, ain't going to work, is it? So it's a bit um, but hard, hard to watch at the moment. But fingers crossed, they can get um, they can get a bit more positivity back in their play and, and score some tries because they need to really. It, for me, it looks like their attack is actually lacking a touch. That's yep. that's they're, they're creating many opportunities, and that's what they've got to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem to be all uh, you know. The game plan is get the ball to Thomas Umanga Jensen and hope he gets an offload. Yeah, and and they can't rely on one guy like Thomas, and who's don't get me wrong, is playing outstandingly well, but they they just can't rely on that, can they? Um, they've got to create more opportunities, um, maybe. And look, I'm, we've been we've been lucky with the Highlanders. And having Brownie involved, that they've tried different moves and they've come up with different uh, attack strategies. We've been um, quite surprised about if that's the right word, you know. So we've always seen the, the Highlanders try something. Well, that's been lacking uh, in the last three games, in particular. So without being too hard on the boys, but it's easy when you're sitting on the, on the uh, couch with a beer in your hand, but. Because um, there's certainly you can't you can't fault their their attitude. You know, talking to them afterwards, they're, they're trying their guts out. But yeah, it makes it tough to watch when uh, you're getting bloody thirty points pull on this for sure. Yeah, well, you got uh, last year they won eight to get to, into the finals. Uh, they've got the force at home this coming weekend, and I think they've got a, maybe about an eight day turn turnaround. So uh, that's that's a must win, isn't it? Have to be, yeah, absolutely have to. At home, like you said, the force, who are no mugs either, they're playing some good rugby too, don't worry. Um, and they'll be pretty keen. They'll, be, they'll have seen the results that the Hondas have had, and they know, they know they're going to get uh, a fantastic track to play on. And it's always an entertaining game against the force, but gee, these Honda boys, they need um, they need some points early to get their confidence going. And uh, and then they need to really, uh, really put a result on the board because uh, they're desperate for it. To go forward, well, the good thing be, is uh, would be sorry, Buff, but uh, the good thing is the game's in Inver Vegas. A lot of those, a lot of those yeah, Perth yeah. boys won't even know that place exists. They'll be like, "Where the hell are we going here?" <laughs> hey, it's oyster season too. Give them some oysters for for, for, yeah. for their pre-match uh, <laughs> meal, mate. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing. Hey, well, Buff, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat, mate. I'll, I'll leave you with this thought: England ten, France fifty-three. Hopefully, that puts a, a smile back on your face as we finish. Absolutely outstanding. Hey, nice talking to you guys. Go well, mate. Uh, Brendan Laney there with us on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Double eight, double three.
That is the text line, double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Uh You can give us a call or send us a message if you've got a question for Marshy or I. We have got about five minutes left before we cross over to commentary of the Wellington Phoenix against Sydney FC at Eden Park. It's 2.20 here on Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Ricardo and Marshy. You can power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Marshy, let's look at uh, the weekend ahead because, man, there are some big matchups starting 7 o'clock at Sky Stadium on Friday night. A game I think both teams will be wanting to win. They'll both uh, disappointing, uh, bouncing back from disappointing losses, the Canes and the Tars. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see I think this is the first Australian um, team on our soil, isn't it? Mm. So, in Super Rugby so far this year, uh, to see how the Waratahs travel. You know, speaking with Nick and um, <clears throat> you know, sort of hearing his thoughts on and where they're at, he still feels that they're probably the second best team in Australia. So that that gives them good kudos. Um, the Hurricanes will be looking to bounce back uh, from a game. I don't think it's a game that got away from them. I just think it's a game. Uh, that they got themselves into a position to probably steal it um, and, and didn't quite execute when they needed to. So they'll they'll be smarting a bit from that. Um, so, yeah, it's really fascinating to, for them to obviously enter into a game against an Australian side who are more than capable of really testing them. So, yeah, great start to the weekend on Friday night, Hurricanes, Waratahs in Wellington. And then we go Saturday afternoon, FMG Stadium, an afternoon kickoff in Hamilton as the Chiefs welcome the Rebels to town. The Chiefs win that... They are four from four. Uh, if they if they if they get that start, does that make them favourites to win the whole thing? Do you think at this stage? Oh, I think they yeah they're quite clearly one of the, yeah probably the favourites at the moment. Uh, they're, they're certainly the number one ranked side, and and rightly so. Uh, they they probably weren't as proficient as they have been against the Highlanders, uh, but you're going to get a little drop off in performance um, when you're trucking along so nicely. Uh, I just wonder what Clayton McMillan might do for this game. Uh, seeing the Rebels tip over the Waratahs, uh, it does show they're capable and they have got some good players. So I'm wondering what he does selection-wise because this is probably one that he thought when he um, looked at his season and the start that they had with Highlanders, Crusaders and... Who did they have in Melbourne? Uh, Moana. Moana. Um, think, right, Rebels at home, maybe, you know, we, we rest D-Mac, um, we give somebody else an opportunity at 10, Joshuane, uh, maybe rest Brody Retallick. I wonder what his thought process is. So that's what's interesting to me, but it should be um, quite clearly a, a, a comfortable enough win for the Chiefs. Blues, Crusaders, oh. boy, this is a big game. <laughs> Seven o'clock on Saturday night, mate. Uh, mm. The Blues are uh, two and one. The Crusaders are one and two. As I mentioned earlier, you, you don't want to be uh, one win from four, which if they drop this game, the Crusaders will be. Yeah, and if I'm Liam, Leon McDonald and, and and the Blues players, I'm thinking to myself, you know, obviously th- they are still talking massively about the result in the final last year. So they have revenge on their mind. But I would just bin that and, and think about finals footy when finals footy comes around. I would think about putting the Crusaders well and truly uh, in a power of hurt by beating them. Simply on, on, on terms of the, the, the latter. Mm. Like, you know, it, it could be a massive blow for them to drop another game, putting them actually even reaching the finals in jeopardy. That should be their mindset. What a, and, and the Crusaders, conversely, must win. They, they actually have to go there, full firepower, 
go up there and make a statement to this competition because at the moment there's questions being asked. Yeah, big questions. Uh, then 9.35, the Brumbies take on a Moana Pacifica side who I think Aaron Major will be disappointed. I think that got away from them. They should have beaten the force in Perth, shouldn't they? Oh, yeah, they should have. And what a bizarre finish to that game. Mm. If you haven't seen it, catch the highlights because something happened that I've never, ever seen before. <laughs> before <laughs> where the game was drawn with about a minute to go. Moana had defended incredibly against the force who were hammering at them. They got a line dropout and the bloke that kicked it from behind his try line, the Moana Pacifica player, the guy that was standing on the five meter line jumped up and charged the ball down. And the subsequently the Moana Pacifica player who it ricocheted to dropped it, scrum underneath the post, penalty, bang, game gone. Bizarre finish. So yes, um, that's an interesting game. You would think they won't be able to to, to cause the Brumbies too many problems. They're just trucking along too nicely. But they're capable, Moana. Yeah, they are. And then on Sunday, you mentioned it, Invercargill, Rugby Park, the Highlanders force. Do the Highlanders get their first W of the season, Marshy? Um, yes, I do. I think taking the force to, uh, to Invercargill was a stroke of genius, and I expect them to get their first result for the year. <laughs> Great. And then the Reds drew to finish us out 6 o'clock next Sunday, mate. Uh, hey, listen, this has been the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Marshy, go well, mate. Is, is there a Thank golf you, course? Golf course calling your name, Asavo, is there? Oh, I think there's a cold beer on Sunday and sit down and watch a bit of, a bit of uh, rugby league and uh, whatever other sports guys got for me this afternoon. All right, enjoy it, mate.